Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and in part three of this three-part special on boundaryless change, I talk with CRR Global co-founder Marita Fridchon about some of the everyday applications of boundaryless change. This episode brings this mini-series back down to earth and looks at the importance of this concept in our everyday lives. Across this episode, we discuss how to explain this concept to a six-year-old, how might this concept be useful to a parent, some of the ways we need to embrace boundaryless change in our daily lives, and the importance of embracing and working with the principle of emergence. If you haven't listened to parts one and two already, we would highly recommend listening to Boundaryless Change Part 1, The Meta View, and Part 2, The Coaching Evolution, first. So I bring you Marita Fritchon talking about boundaryless change and its everyday applications. Marita, as always, a warm welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. I'm very excited to be continuing on our conversation around boundaryless change today. Thank you, Katie. And it's always good to talk to you. But I have to tell you the topic that we started around boundaryless change. When I thought about it again this morning, it's like it leaves me with my heart at my in my throat a little bit because it's a it's a very edgy conversation. Um, it is that really push us to the edges of what it is that we can understand and identify and align with, and then we are trying to talk about it. Not always easy. Yes, and to do so in three episodes as well doesn't feel like an easy fate. I believe in this episode, we're going to try and bring our conversations a bit more back to earth and look at some of the everyday applications of this concept in our lives. Yeah. And so to do that, I want to start by asking you a really strange question about this. But Marita, how would you explain this to a six-year-old? I always think it's useful to think about how we would explain complex concepts to young children as a way of understanding them in a simpler way. Any, this is where I love to hate you, hate to love you. But it's also, I sometimes think that we should have started this series with this conversation and this question about how would you explain this to a six-year-old? And I think that we can't explain it until we begin to, we cannot explain boundary lists until we begin to understand boundary. And we're talking about change. So if we are talking about how do I explain to six-year-old what change is, we have to start there. And I think that one of the simplest ways that I am, can talk about that is to, is to really talk about change is something and somebody that I am not yet. It reminds me of the work of Arnold Medell when we talk about in his channel, you know, edge theory, talking about what is primary, what is it that I and who is it that I identify myself to be? That's the primary. I am Marita, I am female, I am fill in the blanks. Those are the things that I can identify with. Mm -hmm. It's easy, it's a primary identity for me. Who am I not yet? Is then the piece that is more challenging. And if I'm I'm now thinking about the conversation with the six-year-old, there really is a question that I think these things we need to be able to 
to dialogue and questions with. So I would really start with a question about who and what do you think believes you are? But if I then ask the question, when you think just at your next birthday or two birthdays from now, how will you be different? And then again, I, I think it's very difficult to have these conversations without asking it through questions. Because it is one of the ways in which the parenting role also is changing. So that as a parent, can I, am I willing to ask my child that question rather than tell them who they should be in two years' time? Yeah. But let that unfolding come from the six-year-old and then see where that takes us. That is the dialogue about becoming that which I am not yet. And what are the safe access points to that? And I think that the example for me of what is boundaryless is what I believe parents are experiencing more and more when uh, thinking and working with their children. There's a boundary in the past that could be clearly identified whether it's in performance or in sport or in whatever it is. And more and more, there is a different boundary that is being created by life itself, by new evolution. And again, if we just use the sports example, actually the biggest evolving sport right now is pickleball. The pickleball is virtually putting tennis out of business. Nobody saw it coming. And I think that's the piece where we need to begin to consider that change has always been evolving, but we now are being thrown into that change faster and boundaries that we could solidify and regulate in the past, now they're no longer so easy to do. So in many ways, this feels like something that kids are more connected to than us in general anyway, because... I often think about how wonderful it is that kids can decide they want to be an astronaut one day and they want to be an actress the next. And as adults, we get quite fixed in our ideas of self. And so I wonder, do you think that kids in general are more connected to this boundaryless nature of all things? I think so. Uh, and again, one of my colleagues that I really in so many ways hold as a role model in her work with her children and one children that is challenged in certain ways. And the example that I might have used before uh, is that when they get into the car, I'm talking about kids that are, you know, um, six, seven, eight younger children. When they get into a car, she will, before they start driving, ask them, as we drive today, what animal or thing do you want to experience our surroundings through? Do you want to be a dog, a cat, or what, you know, what bit? And they choose. That's a boundaryless choice. But what it does is not so much create identity, but it creates a different collective understanding beyond that which we only hold as humanity. It connects to nature. It connects to animals. It connects to the land. You can see how those are the places where we want to have a very different boundaryless connection that we can become it in, better t- in order to better understand what does nature want from us? 
rather than what I think of as the farmer, what I need from nature. Yeah. And no fault, no blame. Can you see and feel how it is? It's always been boundaryless, but we now are more challenged because it's forced upon us. Yeah. So it's not just what can nature, what can we learn about nature? It's also what can nature teach us about the world? And this example, this playful example you give, it reminds me of this meditation technique I've been using called ways of looking, which is essentially the idea that you can bring different lenses to a situation and there are a multitude of lenses. And so every situation, there's the possibility to see it through just infinite amounts of ways, Um, almost like we're putting on different glasses. And if we think about it in that regard, I guess every moment then is somewhat boundaryless. It depends on what glasses we're wearing. That's a beautiful example, Katie. And I think that Wearing different glasses is part of what's being forced upon us faster. I think that's fight for identity and a case for belonging to the identity that I am born with, identify with whatever, because there's, there's a rapid shift in those worlds and environments that, that's throwing us under a lot of pressure because there's a boundaryless nature of that that's always existed, but circumstances the world evolution are forcing us into cross into a boundary that's very difficult for us to identify with so i think that's the challenge Um, and i think kids uh, to some extent because they are not so shaped and formed into an identity yet is has easier access to that because there are less i could use the word contaminated i could use the word experience i could use the word that shapes their thinking. Yeah. They still have less of a ladder of inference and a cleaner experience Yes, that they can express. Yeah, there's more signals as something that's trying to happen, more information as opposed to stories that we've yeah. learned through our experience and expectations and inheritance. And so I guess I wonder, building on this focus on children, how might this concept then of boundaryless change be useful to a parent? Say there's a parent listening to this and wonders, well, I get it, but how is this useful or applicable to me in my role as a parent? What might you say? Quick question. I think that, you know, the you and I have talked so often about systems inspired filling the blanks, systems inspired supervision, systems inspired change, systems inspired leadership. I think that's where the systems inspired approach is helping us to explore more than tell. And I think that if we as parents and we as leaders and we as people on the street going into a store or meeting somebody that we've never known before, if we can shift and allow the question to be asked of the child, what do you think about? What would you rather do? What is important for you? That's when systems-inspired parenting is beginning to happen because then as the parent, I can begin to shape and talk along those ways. But creating from what comes from the child, and it's way beyond the six-year-old. I think that's the place that is the biggest invitation for us in this, what we talk about as a boundaryless world, uh, when it comes to change, it's always been there. How do we, that 
RSI principles, systems are in a constant state of emergence. What is emergence is softening of boundaries in multiple ways. How do we create from that? There's a lot of reacting to it that we're seeing in the world at the moment. And I'm not sure how far that gets us. Yeah, well, what I'm realizing through these conversations, Marita, is that in many ways, when we're standing in the principles, the principles of relationship systems intelligence, we are sort of automatically moving towards boundaryless change because what you were just saying there around the role of the parent, it starts to become more fluid when we see that roles belong to the system, not to the individuals. And you're, you're reminding me of a, a paragraph in Faith's upcoming book, Relationship Matters. And she talks about how um, when you started this work together, you were on what she calls the bleeding edge yes. in terms of relationships and how actually most companies that you worked with said, well, no, relationships don't belong in the workplace. And so it makes me realize that we have come a long way because we are realizing we that if there's a challenge at work, it doesn't just stay at work. It impacts someone's whole well-being often, unless we're careful. And so we have moved forward yes. from, I guess, 20 years ago. And you must have seen that yourself, Marita. It's almost as if we keep on being thrown the breadcrumbs that say, there's a way out. There's a way to do it differently. There's a way to learn. And that is one of the big advantages if we think about boundaryless change. I can help evolve beyond the boundary of my own stupidity by being curious. Yeah, by being curious. I think that's key because it's so easy for us to um, to rebalance, say, something in a system. So, for example, going back to the team coaching piece around when you're Faith started this work and how emotions were to be left at the office door. Yes. Now there's sometimes a culture of toxic positivity where actually certain emotions are marginalized because there's such a focus on well-being to the point where only positive things are allowed. And so that's another example of, well, actually we need to start to see the boundarylessness of it because maybe there are emotions that we're not allowing because that doesn't fit with our view of what should be well-being in the workplace. Exactly, exactly. And there's also, um, so those are the unspoken rules and laws that we're talking about that are changing. But one of the biggest challenges, I think, that we see on the streets and everywhere is that the primary way in which the world at the moment is holding boundaries is through legislation uh, and laws. Yeah. And no suggestion that that changes. But as evolution happens, when does evolution maximize in such a way that the law can be changed and will be changed to match what is evolving? I think that's the piece. And that also takes me back to what happens on the street. But because to the extent that we are bringing that curiosity, bringing that adventuresome spirit that is curious about what's happening across from me that's so different from me, rather than going, oh, no, I'm not doing I'm stepping away from it. Uh, how do we bring that on the street in a way that brings kindness and it opens doors? So there's just, there's something there that still needs an imitation. Um, and I think that the easiest, well, I think the easiest place to do it is when we meet a stranger, because when I meet a stranger, I have not identified that person in a certain kind of way yet. But how do we bring curiosity even to that? 
because underneath the boundary is something that is fiercely protected. On that, though, I would say that even when we are meeting a stranger, we tend to see them, uh, you know, our brains have that amazing ability to sort of fill in the blanks. And so when we are going to the supermarket and we're checking out, we automatically have put people in boxes that sometimes are favourable, sometimes aren't. And it would be interesting for us to maybe look beyond some of those boxes because they are helpful. I don't want to criticise our brains because if we were constantly, constantly taking in every kind of sensory stimuli, we'd be overwhelmed. So our brains do a great job. And if we were to question for a moment, who is this person? What's their passion? And you know, what, what do they love and what are they fearful of? That might enable us to lean in in a different way, even if just with our energy. You make me think, Katie, of what is the rehearsal, what is the work that I need to do with myself when I meet that stranger? I think the first question is, I need to work with myself and stand a little bit in the, who do I think that person is? Because until I know the frozen frame or the box that I've got that person in, I don't know which question to ask because I need to be able to put that aside completely and go, uh, who are you really? However, I frame that and bring that question. And it is why I think all of this is, it's actually a spiritual journey and spiritual beyond whether you want to choose or think about a religion, a approach that you have. It really is that journey of radical development, becoming more of a better human. Yeah, I agree. And I um, I don't think I realize quite how much in some ways we do try and put things in boxes, things and people, places, projects, initiatives, and it's not necessarily wrong. But when those boxes become so hardwired in our brains, it can be hard for us to see beyond those boundaries and how curious it would be if we were to just see that person beyond that box we've put them in and what that might enable us to create in that relationship. You know, Katie, what you bring up for me in this call is how, and there are a myriad of ways in which we can do our own practice with that. That really is about what if at the end of the day, I really sit with myself and think about the people I spoke to, think about the people I met that I'd never seen before. And what is it that I'm made up about? Because the moment I get in touch with what it is that I made up about them, I've lost all curiosity about them because then I think I know who they are. Exactly. And just to wake up, I think this is the work in everyday life. Yeah. For each one of us to sit with our own complexity of, as a system, to sit with the boundaries that I will not let go. Get curious about it. Yes. And I'd say to be kind to ourselves too, because of course, we have a sense of our, our partner or our parents in a certain way or our children because it would be very strange to wake up every day and, and get to know them as a stranger from the beginning all over again. And if we can allow a little bit of that into our lives, that curiosity that comes from beginnings, I guess, yes, that might enable us to listen and to be with those people in a different way because I particularly think for those that we love the most, we can so often just end up making up a story about them and not actually seeing them as they are, as the emergent beings that they are. Yeah, and the problem with making up that story is that if I make up that story, it doesn't matter how that person did it, I will project it to them that they have done it 
They've done the story that I thought about them. Yes. One way or the other, I'll find a way to make it fit. Yeah. And then we don't really see them as they are. And it's it's incredible how that, I guess, that projection and that um, presumption can shape yes. our experience of reality. I mean, we're never really seeing reality as it is. We're always seeing it through a certain lens. Imagine if we brought a different lens to our relationships just to shake up the boundaries that we see or don't see. I think so. And again, it takes me back to and something that is to two things. It's something that you said before about how can I sit with myself in that discovery and how can I bring kindness to my own self before I go, that was just so stupid of you, Marita. I mean, how could she even just, you know, sit with, wow, even I could do that. I didn't know that was happening. And again, just sit with the acceptance and broaden the boundary of what I can sit with and can accept and then come back to myself with kindness Um, and then go to meet that new person in a different way. So I think that's one thing. And to go back again to being on the street with a six-year-old, that's where our third entity exercise or that, okay, you come and stand in my, sit in my seat as parent and you be the parent, and you tell me, I'll go sit in your child's seat and I'm going to, so just play with that, that's softening the boundaries. And that is a place where they can learn, and there might even be some really useful tips for us as parents uh, when we can sit with that. Yeah. And there might be some insight for them when they can go, oh, I didn't know it was that difficult over there. Yeah. Well, I love what you said there, Marita, and I want to underline that, softening the boundaries. This isn't about breaking down all the boundaries and because in, in many ways they do keep us safe and secure and they can be really helpful. And if we can soften them, it's not saying that we reject them. It just allows a different kind of awareness to emerge. Yeah, so all we can experience from different perspectives, I think they're wiser we get and uh, more through it we become. Yeah. And I do think that validity is a key piece for us on the street. And the street is the place where we can live it in a way that it's harder to do on my team in the office or curiosity and kindness, I think, are the key building, not knowing. Yeah, not knowing. And I think applying that, as you say, Marita, to self, to other people, and then to those wider systems in our lives and in the world. That's something that we can all do. That's the world work that we can all take forward. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you, Marita, for introducing this concept and for braving through it because it's not easy to talk about boundaryless change with the boundary of three podcasts. So uh, thank you for enlightening me and our listeners over the course of these episodes around what this can mean and how it might live in their worlds. And I'm going to send you and all of us home with a lesson that I got today from Guido uh, a French bulldog who's got an eye problem at the moment. And the thing that I took away from him this morning when I put his fourth drop in after 15 minutes, and he's really upset with me. But then when I come back and I pet him again, he's forgotten all about it and he still <laughs> loves me. And it's just, I want to be like Guido. I want to forget, um, not forget, but forgive. Yes. Um, when, you, when you hurt me and accept the love that comes my way, that pet of love that comes afterwards. That's easier said than done. Yeah, but what a beautiful way of living in the world. Uh, I think we should all be a little bit more Guido, Marita. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you as always. It was 
wonderful navigating this complexity with you. Like and sometimes nice. getting stuck in the complexity and sometimes giving some simple answers. This concludes our three-part mini-series on boundaryless change. So a huge thanks as always to Marita Fridchon. Here are my key takeaways. Boundaryless change sits on the edge of what we can understand, identify with and align with. There's an immense amount of complexity surrounding it. Yet it's important that we develop more language to talk about it so that we can work more skillfully with the interdependent nature of systems. Boundaryless change isn't new. It's simply being thrust on us faster, forcing us into new awareness. The systems-inspired approach can help us to explore beyond the boundaries of our imaginations by helping us to create from whatever is emerging. Curiosity can help us to open doors and look beyond the boundaries of our lives. It helps us to look beyond the walls and protection mechanisms that stop us from embracing the boundaryless nature of systems. What is the work I need to do with myself when I'm meeting with a stranger? What box have I put them in? And how can I become curious about who they are beyond the stories my mind has made up about them? For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams and practitioners on their journey to build stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. CRR Global's unshakable belief is that relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. For more information, please visit crrglobal.com.